Welcome to Beyond the Blue Wall. I'm your host, Henderson Bloomer. Our guest for this episode is Austin Butner. Butner's association with CalArts has extended over two decades. He served as chair of the Board of Trustees from 2006 to 2014. He is a supporter of CalArts' Community Arts Partnership, or CAP, a co-curricular program where CalArts' students provide free school-based arts programs for K-12 students. Recently, he spearheaded California's Proposition 28, the 2022 ballot measure that provides funding for arts and music education in all K-12 public schools in California. Both of these causes are just two examples of a strong commitment to supporting arts education. We talked with Austin about these things, as well as his own experience with the arts, and he shared why he believes so strongly in supporting arts education. I wanted to start by asking you, when did you first hear about CalArts? I moved to Los Angeles from New York in 2000, and uh, a dear friend of mine who was very involved with Juilliard happened to know the then president, Stephen Levine, of CalArts uh, and put us together. So I guess 23 years ago, I had the good fortune of lunch with Stephen and immediately fell in love with all things CalArts. Was that lunch, was that on campus? Did you make the trek up to Valencia to see the school at first, or was that, was that after? Yeah, to be honest, I think the first lunch was on the other side of the hill. Uh, Stephen happened to have reason to be uh, in the Los Angeles area, which was our first lunch, but uh, our second one was on campus. And uh, uh, if you're not sold and hearing about what happens uh, when you come see it, there's no chance you walk away without being impressed and uh, eager to participate and help in any way you can. Yeah, in that first lunch with Stephen, what was it about the school that got you interested? We all have our story in the arts. And my story started way, way back. My dad worked in factories. My mom was a school teacher. And we moved a bunch as my dad took different jobs. And in fifth grade, I wound up in the middle of the school year in a new elementary school. And put your memory cap on and you realize going as a shy child, going to a new school in the middle of the year, at least for me, the concern was not math or reading. It was... Who am I going to have lunch with today? I don't know anybody. Fortunately for me, a music teacher said, join my class. It's at lunch. My first question is, do you get lunch? Yes, you have lunch? Great, I'm coming. Well, I started with cello. Cello became bass. Bass became guitar. With that, a sense of agency. I could play in front of thousands of people before I could speak in front of tens of people. But it started with that group of friends and a lunch yeah. uh, and a place to express oneself, one's ideas, and uh, uh, just be a kid. Uh, and that stayed with me throughout my journey. And when I was introduced to Stephen and learned more about CalArts, you know, the first thing you get a sense of, it's a community of artists who feel empowered to express themselves as they are and as they want to be. Uh, they're not yeah. burdened or bound by strictures of, well, this is how we've taught uh, music in a conservatory for 117 years and 118th year will be the same. That's not CalArts. The visual arts, animation, dance, theater, all the different uh, forms of expression of CalArts. But it took me way, way back to that fifth grade me, which was, mm. I could just be me. Uh, and I think that's one of the fantastic things about CalArts is its ability to meet students where they are. And I think that's a really fundamental piece of the arts sometimes that we look past. CalArts yeah. is not painting by numbers. Uh, yeah. And I don't think there's too much benefit uh, among young, young students uh, in elementary school learning to paint by numbers. Learn to express yourself. And that's what CalArts does at a very high level. And so for me, it took me all the way back to my roots and my fifth grade story. Uh, now, that's just my story. Everybody at CalArts has a story and everyone I've ever met has a story 
about the arts. Uh, and that's one of the great things about it, the university. And so you get involved at CalArts. What is the first thing you start doing there? What is, what is your uh, involvement? Well, I, I was asked to join the board. Uh, and I think most boards, when you join, you should listen. You know, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So I spent a bunch of time listening. Uh, but the part that always appealed to me most was scholarship, uh, the ability to make sure access to CalArts and opportunity for career after one could look at without any boundary around a family's financial circumstance. And so that became probably the area of most interest to me. And during my time on the board, my time as board chair, uh, for me, the number one priority is always to make sure that we could continue to and expand access uh, to children from all different walks of life, all different family circumstance, and that when they graduate from CalArts, uh, uh, they're as unbounded and able to continue to pursue their passion in the arts, again, irrespective of the family financial circumstance. So it was less a program, maybe, and more an approach. It wasn't going there to teach anybody. It wasn't going there to weigh in on the programs. There are lots of fantastic people with a lifetime of experiences. And as a role of the board member, really, is to make sure an institution is not only well-led, but well-taken care of, and the people who work there and the people who attend there have their needs met. And, and so that really was my area of focus, and in particular, uh, kids from uh, lower income backgrounds. I'm glad that you brought up this idea of caretaking, because I think, you know, board members do have different ideas of what it means to be a board member. But understanding that from a student side, or even a faculty side is, I think, is really interesting. Well, you were doing the listening and seeing the work and witnessing some of those things, do you have memories of any specific artworks or productions or performances that have stuck with you? Many of them do, but one in particular, which uh, really ties to some of the work that I've done more recently in public schools, uh, K-12, uh, there was a joint program between Caltech and CalArts. And this goes back a decade plus. All too often, and unfortunately, the vernacular is about art for art's sake. I believe there's a bigger vision for the arts, which is art for life's sake. Yes, express oneself. Uh, yes, there's beauty and joy and uh, feelings and emotions to be expressed in the arts, but also participating in the arts can help prepare one for life. And if you had a chance, as I did, uh, to see what was happening in the interconnection between Caltech students, CalArts students, and what they were creating, it was amazing. And, you know, I think that's kind of beyond the horizon, looking to the future. And one could imagine in today's world, AI. Everyone wants to talk about AI. I, I, please don't ask me about it. I can't really properly explain it. Uh, but, but even, you know, it was more than a decade ago, CalArts was leaning forward and creating a joint program with Caltech. Uh, and I don't think there were too many institutions or too many people who understood there's a lot of interconnectedness uh, in between the people and the ideas and the tools and the technologies and how they can be used. And you see that more and more in the world in which we live. But I'd say if there's one thing that stuck with me, it might have been that, although there are hundreds of things that uh, stayed with me. I had the good fortune to uh, see the work of Lauren Halsey and what she was doing as a student at CalArts. Uh, and uh, my wife and I had set up a program to wipe out the debt of graduating CalArtians. Uh, across, again, a variety of forms of expression. And uh, Stephen Hillenberg, who's a dear friend, sadly has passed, uh, was on our selection committee. And so we had a chance to see the best of the best. And the idea was we wanted to find students who had demonstrated a unique set of abilities, but came from 
very low-income families. Mm -hmm. uh, if they graduated with the burden of debt, uh, they would put some boundary around whether they continue to pursue their passion. And so Lauren was one of the students where we wiped out the debt, gave her a chance to continue to pursue art, and of course, she's gifted and amazing things have happened. Uh, and the only thing that we've asked or ever asked of any of the students was just pay it forward. So if mm. you are successful, find a way to come back to CalArts, tell your story, uh, find a way to bring support to the institution so more uh, young adults and students can follow your journey. And she has done that. Uh, we've had a chance to reconnect with this initiative that I authored, uh, Proposition 28. We'll talk about it at some point. Uh, but Lauren really leaned in. Uh, she lent her voice. She was helpful in making sure people knew about it. We got it passed. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't think life come full circle. She's got a big life ahead of her. And I hopefully have a few more years left myself. But our connection started at CalArts uh, with a chance to see her work. And uh, maybe our scholarship helped just a little bit to, uh, to accelerate her trajectory and create a less bounded future for her. And wonderful things have happened. And you know, one in one is five, maybe, uh, because of Lauren's talents, maybe it'd be 25. But um, it's interesting to see how some of the seeds planted uh, bloom over time. The trajectory that you're describing of getting an artist involved um, and being very clear about what what you give back as a part of the scholarship, I think that that's something that's not as discussed as understanding. There are so many different scholarships at CalArts. And when you're talking about establishing the kind of conversation or communication of giving back, Lauren Halsey is a great example because not only as she helped with Prop 28, which we'll definitely talk about, but also her her community partnerships and her uh, Some Everything Community Center, um, the food drives that she was helping helping out with um, and getting food to her community in South Central, um, and still being able to have time to create these you know, architectural wonders, these great uh, works of art like at the uh, Metropolitan Museum in New York, the Rooftop Commission most recently. You know, it's funny, the way I reconnected with her, there was never a desire for my wife and I. It's like, don't tell us what you're doing. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. But really share your gift with the world and stay connected to CalArts and support the future you, whoever that is, who might come through the doors of CalArts. And I was asked by a friend to go to an exhibit. And I said, who is it? And I said, well, this is fantastic visual artist, blah, blah. Okay, great. We go to dinner, we go, and this person happened to know Lauren, introduced me, and then it was, oh, hang on a sec, you're Austin Virginia Butner. I don't know if you know this, it was a decade ago, so it was not something that we wore in our sleeve, or uh, we'd asked her to up every year, tell us what you're up to, or show us your work. So it was not until I actually met Lauren that I realized this was the same person a decade ago who uh, uh, Virginia I and Steve Hillenberg had selected out of a group of many, many talented CalArts students to try to give a a little bit of a boost to. Um, so, you know, paths cross at different points in one's life. Uh, and she's just one of many. You know, CalArts is blessed to have many, many uh, students go on to have great success, wonderful careers in the arts, uh, and great success and wonderful careers in, in not the arts. Um, as I said earlier, I'm a big believer art for life's sake. Expression may be your way you earn a living and your how you spend most of your day, or it may be something you do on the side or you do for your own self-satisfaction. Uh, but the chance to participate and pursue that passion is a lifetime gift, whatever life holds for you after your days at CalArts. Transitioning into uh, another uh, part of CalArts, you were involved in Community Arts Partnership, 
or CAP, uh, which is a teaching program that happens at CalArts. Um, can you uh, talk talk more about that? How how you got involved there in the education space part of CalArts, and it yeah, does again, it does tie into what you were talking about. It's teaching. It's not necessarily being a practitioner, um, but still very much involved in in the arts. Yeah. So Stephen introduced uh, me and really all of us to the work that Glenna Avila and the team were doing, and uh, it's a wonderful intersection of young adults, the students at CalArts, uh, bringing their passion and their talents to teach K-12 kids. I always thought it was a fascinating intersection between, again, that person and me, that fifth grader. Wow. Would that, uh, I've met someone from CalArts in fifth grade. I had a wonderful music teacher, but college students, I guess, are maybe a little closer in uh, spirit, at least to elementary students sometimes. Uh, And so to see what CAP was and has become is truly amazing. I think it's one of the best kept secrets in the world of CalArts. You roll the clock forward again in my life. uh, A few years ago now, I became superintendent of schools in Los Angeles, trying to provide for the needs of almost three quarters of a million kids and their families and all that comes with it, and the arts as part of that education. Uh, And when I stepped down as superintendent uh, almost two years ago now, one of the things that I decided to do was lean into the issue of making sure more children had a chance to participate in the arts. Sadly, Uh, in California until this proposition was passed. Barely one in five public schools had a full-time arts and music program, which is awful. Arts are the glue. They are the foundation of a good public education. They activate uh, so much of critical thinking in parts of your brain well beyond just, again, the art. There's lots of links between music and math and social emotional wellness and all the things that come with the arts. So we set about, I authored this initiative. We decided to take it directly to voters, which not simple or easy, but it can work. We actually had to collect a million signatures. Now, these are a million wet ink signatures on an official piece of paper, not a million clicks uh, on a computer screen. So all throughout the state of California, long story short, it passed overwhelmingly. About two-thirds of voters in California passed it uh, because they have their story. I spent a couple Saturdays going out with the signature collection folks, people who go to grocery stores and so on and put a clipboard in your face and ask you if you're interested in arts at schools. The fascinating thing to observe, and all of the signature gatherers, or most of them, some of them were volunteer teachers and artists and others, but most were paid signature gatherers. So the ultimate mercenary, if you will. They're paid by signature that they get. So they go where the action is. Most people said yes very quickly. Henderson, are you interested in arts and music at schools? You want to support it? Of course. What do I need to do? You would see then the consternation or look on the signature gatherer's face because then Henderson or Austin would then proceed to sign the piece of paper and then tell you their story. So it wasn't just, yes, here's my signature. It was Austin Butner. Yes, the fifth grader learned to play cello. And you could see the signature just looking at their watch going, okay, Austin, I won't be rude here, but if I listen to your whole story, I'm not getting another signature. Uh, So we had wild public support. We, uh, as reflected in the coalition that we could build, we had uh, artists and entertainers Mm. and teachers and community arts partnership and CalArts and and all, uh, Ravi Rajan, the president of CalArts, all kinds of individuals and institutions came on board. When you open your voter guide to decide what to do, Californians get about a hundred page voter guide. It has background in every person and every initiative and on the initiatives, the typical form it takes is on the left-facing page. It will say why you should vote yes. Uh, and the right side of the page, typically, there's a full set of arguments why you should vote no. On Proposition 28, the left side of the page had arguments. The right side of the page was blank, but for the words 
there were no arguments submitted in opposition. George Skelton writes for the LA Times for the legend and has chronicled political affairs in California forever, said in his column, I've never seen that happen. And this initiative is the closest thing to a no-brainer we're ever going to see it about. So we got wild mm. support, public support. Uh, and now the exciting thing is we're working on the implementation of that. Uh, and again, yeah. you know, all roads lead to CalArts. We'll need to bring in about 15,000 plus or minus arts educators into our public schools in California uh, to fully realize on the promise of this billion dollars a year of investment in public school kids, which is great. To give you some dimension, though, 15,000, just a number. That's a greater number than the people who currently teach arts and music in California public schools. And it is more than will be hired in the rest of the country combined in the next year or two. So it's wow. truly seismic, a wonderful opportunity. And institutions like CalArts, which are producing and growing the next generation of arts educators, we have an even better way to connect uh, students with careers and opportunities to work in our public schools full or part-time. Uh, and I think yeah. one of the exciting things is that bridge between someone who wants to continue to pursue their passion in the arts, uh, but can complement that with, let's say, a part-time job at a school with a good wage, good benefits, uh, all the job security that comes with it, so they can build a wonderful program and work with uh, uh, students at a school at the same time they're continuing to pursue their passion in dance, theater, animation, visual arts, whatever it might be. And uh, it's an exciting opportunity for the state of California. I think an exciting opportunity for CalArts because it's just another career opportunity or place for uh, students who've been so well trained at CalArts to continue to express themselves and share their talents. That is a great pitch, I think. Uh, there are a number of artists who are who are love to get involved in that. And part of that is how does one get involved at this stage? If, if you're an artist and you hear, oh, like there's this money being put into arts education, where do people get involved? Yeah, it's a great question because historically, the arts community and the school community have been somewhat separate. Schools look for their talent uh, coming out of a traditional, let's say, school of education. Artists look for their opportunity in the world of the arts. And so what we're working on are ways to better connect them. We'll actually launch in the middle of October something called School Gig. Think of School Gig as Indeed or LinkedIn for Schools Meet the Arts. So a way to connect CalArts students or graduates with jobs in schools because they otherwise wouldn't find each other. And we believe we'll be able to take these sets of opportunities at a particular school or at many schools and convey them directly to artists, meet them where they are, and make that connection. So, you know, please be on the lookout for school gig. I think that's a good place to start. Uh, but nothing uh, precludes an artist from just knocking on the door of their local neighborhood school and saying, I want to help. Is there a way for me to help? Uh, so you can start at a local school. You can start with school gig. Stay tuned, more to come. But that talent to school pipeline, we really have to invest in. And sadly, because the arts were so underinvested in the state of California, uh, we got to you know make up for lost time build some of these ways to connect the talent in the school. It's fascinating to see the rebuilding of arts education or arts investment from the government in general, just because of how many cuts have happened to those programs over the last half century, right? The funding has really shifted away from individuals or even from schools and more towards nonprofits or other government programs. But it seems like there's an interesting way that 
funding has come back around and schools are supporting things like any education in the arts, but also during your time as superintendent, schools were supporting food insecurity and things like that. And part of what I'm, I think I'm trying to get to with this question is, do you also see this art education program uh, being a solution for getting more teachers in school in general? Part of what this represents, and this is a voter-led initiative, really grassroots, to help rebuild our public schools. Uh, yeah. Sadly, in California, the funding has been cut, cut, cut. So there aren't arts and music programs. There aren't health programs. Uh, there aren't the programs needed. And we saw during COVID where Los Angeles schools, we actually set up and ran the largest food relief effort in our nation's history. We provided more than 140 million meals to children and adults. We were that lifeline for families. Uh, we made sure more than half a million students had a computer and internet, free internet at home, because about a third of students in Los Angeles schools didn't have broadband at home. So we provided it to them. We set up and ran the most comprehensive and cost-effective COVID testing operation to provide free COVID tests at schools, providing more than 20 million tests to student staff and their families. Uh, the arts are really an extension of rebuilding our public schools, and it's the foundation for all of us. It's the path out of poverty for many young children, and it's the hope and promise of opportunity for everybody. But we've got to rebuild our public schools, and it's food. It's connectivity. It's healthcare. It's the arts. It's a full program. It, it's interesting how public schools, sadly, in some communities become the haves and have-nots. People forget about our public institutions. It's the only public institution, public schools, where by design, by law, they have a footprint in every community. In the communities we served in Los Angeles, so Los Angeles, city of Los Angeles plus 25 other cities, about 700 square miles. In that same 700 square miles, there were about 150 fire stations and 1,500 schools. There were about 70 police stations. There were 15 or 20 county office buildings. The most trusted institution in a local community is their neighborhood public school. You know, the notion of community schools, which I'm a big, big believer in, you know, schools are an important part of the community and the community should be an important part of the school. And schools can be used to connect over so many different things, not just the reading, writing, arithmetic. Schools got to do that and do that well. But the arts are an important part of an academic day. They're an important part of community engagement and expression. And I see Prop 28 as being really, I hope, a kickoff uh, in the state of California to really rebuild our public schools and make sure the resources are there, make sure children are provided with really robust education and every alternative and option in school that they should have. One of the great, great things about CalArts mm -hmm. is as it fosters and supports the students there, it keeps them grounded and helps keep them connected through programs like CAP with the communities uh, all around the Los Angeles area where they can make a difference. And along the way, you have exemplars like Lauren Halsey who don't forget where they come from uh, and how they can make a difference and continue to give back. And I think that's you know, an important part of the CalArts culture that uh, you know, find a way to make a difference through your voice, through your art, uh, through your agency for not just yourself, but others around you and others who haven't had uh, the same opportunities you have. So it's uh, an amazing culture, amazing institution, and uh, I hope it continues to thrive. You can learn more about CalArts' CAP program, California's Proposition 28, and more in our show notes. Our Season 3 theme music was created and performed by 2018 graduate Nicholas Savignano. You can learn more about Nico by visiting him on Instagram at underscore OKNico. That's at underscore O-K-N-I-C-O. 
This episode was co-produced by Greg Hool and me, Henderson Bloomer. Please don't forget to subscribe and share, and we'll see you next time, Beyond the Blue Wall.